0: from the Gospel according to Matthew. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. And now a reading from Psalm 41. Happy are those who consider the poor. The Lord delivers them in the day of trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. They are called happy in the land. You do not give them up to the will of their enemies." And a reading from Micah. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams,
1: In this Easter season, we have been looking very carefully, very closely at the opening lines of what is considered by Christian folks to be the greatest sermon ever preached. That's the standard by which all other sermons are judged. We'll never live up to it, but we try. We are looking at what we call the Beatitudes. Beatitude is just a glorified word, really, for the word blessing. We're looking at the blessings that Jesus pronounced are true, the blessings of God in our lives, even in times when we don't think we are so blessed. The Beatitudes, the blessings, are what Jesus taught about the nature of all things concerning us and God, therefore we're fascinated by what Jesus has to say. In the first four Beatitudes, the first four blessings, Jesus pronounces that God's grace is available and operational in many situations of life for many people in life who seem to be anything but blessed. People who are somewhat unreligious, unspiritual, they don't have much experience with God and the things of God, they might not even have all that much interest in God or the things of God, but still, God can and God does bless those who are poor in spirit. Those who are mourning and grieving and sad because they've lost something or someone, In those times where we hurt perhaps the most, God still can and God does bless us. For the meek, powerless people of the world, the little people that are most of the people in the world, people who cannot do anything about the sad situations of their lives, God still can and does bless them. For those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, craving to be better people in and of themselves, craving for life to be better for others, craving for justice when there is only injustice in the world, God can give his blessing, and God does. And so today we come to the fifth beatitude, the fifth blessing that Jesus pronounces Already as true and real and present in the world. And with this beatitude, we begin to shift just a little bit in the way that Jesus preaches and the things that Jesus is saying about God's grace. God's grace is given to the merciful, God's grace is given because of His mercy. God's grace calls forth our mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Mercy is a good word, and I'm thankful that it's still a word that we use sometimes in our modern conversation with each other. Think about all the places that mercy appears. I mentioned a couple of them in my Friday email blast, which all of you read religiously, I know, so I won't bother to repeat that information. Mercy appears all the time. We have a mercy hospital. How many people here have been to mercy hospital? Yeah, when you go to mercy hospital, you expect some mercy, don't you? You expect some support and help and encouragement and healing. Augustine, that great theologian from centuries and centuries ago, from the fourth century, Augustine said that the merciful are those who come to the aid of the needy. That's a great way to think about it. Those who come to the aid of the needy. How many of you are needy out there? If I don't see every hand raised, we need to have a conversation. (laughs) The merciful are those who come to the aid of the needy. How many of you have had someone ever come to your aid answer Calvin put it this way Calvin said the merciful are those who take on other people's troubles how many of you are troubled the merciful take on other people's troubles notice that both Augustine and Calvin didn't say anything about feelings the merciful are not those who just feel bad for other folks The merciful are those who do something about other folks. German theologian Schlatter pointed out that the first four beatitudes are all about God's sheer unmerited grace that he gives to us even in the terrible situations of life. We all can be and all are blessed by God regardless of our situation of life. And he says that because of that then, if we understand If we deeply appreciate, if we receive in the depth of our souls this mercy that God offers to us, then we learn to become merciful ourselves because being merciful is about having a full heart and a deep understanding for all the rest of those who are in the world. And so let's ask this question. Let's go a bit beyond the things that the ancient theologians say. And let's think about what that means for us. What does it mean to be merciful? I'm convinced that if you don't walk out of here with at least one new idea, one new conviction and plan, one new way of understanding your relationship with God and what God is wanting for you, that that I've failed And so think about what it is that you are doing as you are merciful people. Mercy means feeling sorrow for those who grieve, actually feeling it with them. We have two families in our congregation that are grieving the loss of someone they love. And it's easy to feel sorrow for someone whom you know, to actually cry their tears with them, to feel their pain with them. But I believe that those who are merciful in their very own being, who have received God's mercy and understand it, can feel the pain of others. There was a president, a few presidents back, who was famous for saying, I feel your pain. Whether you like that president or not, I don't care. But it was a good thing, and is a good thing, to feel someone else's pain. We feel the pain, I hope of many families in Virginia Beach who are grieving the loss of those they've loved. Being merciful means feeling sorrow and feeling pain of the powerless, the oppressed, those who are afraid, those who are displaced from their homes, those who struggle with the effects of warfare in their lives, those who've had to leave their homes, all of that so one of the reasons some of us turn off the TV and ignore the newspapers because there's so much pain and we can only put up with so much feeling and that's okay sometimes. Of course it's not just about feeling. Let's make sure I've made that point very clearly. Being merciful is not just about feeling bad. Being merciful is about doing something. Being merciful means you go to Kenya or to Tijuana or just across the street. Wednesday evening, we had a little gathering at our house, and at the end of the evening, we were wrapping things up and winding things down, and and I had put out some new uh, landscape lights, and I I was a different part of the house, and Helen called me up, and she said, one of the lights that you put in is flashing. What's that about? I didn't put in any flashing lights, and she went to investigate and discovered that it wasn't the light that was flashing, It was five police cars, two fire engines, and a couple of ambulances that were parked in front of our house, and they were in our neighbor's house. We're not close to those neighbors, but we know enough to know that they're raising seven foster children, and we still don't know what was going on, but we know something was going on, and someday, a few days away from that event, we'll take the opportunity to go across the street not just to feel with our neighbors something that was obviously not right, but to share a little bit of love with them. Sometimes in this world we have to admit that being merciful and doing merciful things does not always get us the mercy that Jesus says. Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. He didn't say that it happens all the time. He didn't say that it happens everywhere in the world. He's talking about the mercy that God gives us and the mercy that we receive from others. But let's be honest with each other. Sometimes our mercy does not get us any mercy. My favorite theologian, Dallas Willard, said, I want to rewrite this beatitude in a way that sometimes is more honest about the way the world is. Instead of, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy, I want to say, woe to the merciful, for they will be taken advantage of. (laughs) He's not wrong, is he? How many times have you given in some way to someone and all you get back is, give me more? That happens. But that will never stop people who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it never stopped Him. And ultimately, in the reality the presence, the power of the kingdom of God right here, right now, not just sometime out in the future, we understand that as we experience the mercy of God, we share it with others, and the mercy expands, the mercy grows. Mercy is a big issue for God. It's important. So much so that I wanted to demonstrate that for us with three other passages from Scripture. We don't need to spend much time with them, but let's look at them briefly. Jesus is accused, and and Jesus is attacked, and Jesus is criticized because He's spending so much time with tax collectors and sinners. I know some of you think that Jesus spent all of His time with tax collectors and sinners because they're way more fun than the righteous people, (laughs) But that's not what it's about, Jesus says. I'm spending my time with those who know they need God's mercy. And then he quotes from the Old Testament prophet Micah. He says, what does God tell us? He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came to love those who need love, not to be with those who think they don't need love. What does Micah say? Centuries before Jesus, the gospel was being preached. The gospel was being understood. Micah's thinking about what it is that God wants from us, what it is that God wants for us. And he says Does God want our rituals, our empty, meaningless exercises to try to please God and make us think that we're holy? That's not what God wants. God wants the righteousness of our humility and of our justice and of our mercy. Now, you may have noticed that in reading the new, the new revised standard version of the Scriptures, which we always do here, that's what's printed in your bulletin today, that Micah's words are to, uh, about those who love kindness, not mercy, Kindness. And kindness is an okay word to translate from the Hebrew, but frankly, I don't think it's as good a word as mercy. In the way we use these words, to be kind, is a good thing, right? Your mom taught you to be kind. But to me, being kind is about holding a door open for someone or or saying, you know, please and thank you and that sort of thing. Kindness is kind of a, a mild sort of thing, isn't it? Mercy is different, though. Mercy is about strength. Mercy is about sacrifice. Mercy is a tough, strong, deep word. Mercy is what you give to folks who don't deserve it. Mercy sometimes costs something. And so I like the King James translation there. That God wants mercy and not sacrifice. The psalmist understood that. Psalm 41. Blessed are those, happy are those who consider the poor. That's one way of describing what being merciful is all about. Considering the poor, being mindful of the poor, feeling the pain of the poor, engaging in the world of the poor, doing something about poverty itself. If you read the scriptures from front to back you'll see that mercy is a big deal to God and so it's no surprise that Jesus would lift up mercy as deserving special attention in one of the ten Beatitudes. Jesus says that we should be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And and there he begins to move from declaring the fact of God's mercy for us because of God's grace. And he begins to talk about the implications of God's grace. What does it mean if you actually understand God's grace? If you actually accept God's grace? It means that you begin to live with that same grace in your life for others. That's one of the reasons that Jesus showed up, was to say, God loves you already. Now I'm going to show you how to love others as God loves you. Dale Bruner put it this way. He said that mercy exists to be passed on, not stored up. Passed on not stored up. Just this morning it occurred to me that that's really what goes on when we come to the table because this table is a table all about God's mercy. It's all about the mercy and sacrifice of someone who allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled so that we could receive forgiveness, so that we could receive new life. In this table, we receive again God's mercy. But just like every table, if you go to the table only to fill yourself and you do nothing about expending the mercy and the love and the calories that you get at the table, you're going to be full and then fuller and then fuller. And one day maybe you'll even explode. That's not the way God's mercy works. God fills you with his mercy so that you can empty yourself of that mercy for others. And then you get to come back to the table again. To be filled up all over again. Ministering in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who himself is present with us now. I invite all of you to come to this table of God's mercy, to be filled with his mercy, and to become even more merciful than you already are. And then, to walk away from the table, stuffed to the gills, able to eat no more, so you can share that mercy with others. You need not be a member of this congregation. You need only be a person who wants to know and does know Jesus Christ in your life. We will partake in this communion service by receiving the bread individually as a sign of our personal devotion to Christ, but then we will hold the cup until all have been served, partaking together as a sign that we are together part of the family, part of the body of the Lord Jesus. Come. Let's eat.